Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Academic Life, a podcast channel here on New Books Network. I'm your host, Dr. Christina Gessler, and today we'll be talking to Dr. Alyssa Canelli and Anna Valcor about the Connected PhD program at Brandeis. Welcome to the show. Thank you. We're glad to be here. I am so glad that you're both here and we get to learn more about the Connected PhD program. And I'm so glad that we're joined with a graduate student who's currently in the Connected PhD program so that we're getting lots of perspectives. Before we dive into all of that, I'd like to ask my guests if they will please tell us about themselves. Anna, could we start with you? Um, Certainly. So uh, my name is Anna. I am a second year PhD student in musicology at Brandeis. And I'm also earning a MA or master's in passing in women's gender and sexuality studies um, en route to my PhD. Um, Yeah, so it's my second year. I'm super excited and absolutely love Brandeis. Um, I come from, let's see, I was a professional opera singer. Um, So that's kind of my background into musicology, but I've been in music and history all my life. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Dr. Canelli, will you please uh, tell us about yourself? Sure. Um, My name is Alyssa Canelli. I'm the Assistant Dean of Academic Affairs in the Graduate School of Arts and Sciences here at Brandeis University. Um, And I've been in my role for approximately uh, four and a half years now. Um, I did my PhD in English Literature at Emory University. And I know we have a lot we want to talk about today, and we have a hard stop that's going to make this a bit of a shorter episode, so I'm going to try to get all the things in that we want to talk about. Before we do that, though, one of the things I love to ask guests is what led them to their current path. So we have a, uh, this is part two of the Connected PhD, and uh, Dr. Canelli shared her road uh, in the previous episode. Anna, will you tell us what led you uh, to your current path? If you take us back when you were looking ahead to college and to your interests, uh, what did you think you would do? And is that where you are now or are they different? Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. So I, let's see if we're going all the, are we going all the way back (laughs) or you can go (laughs) as far back as you want to, to tell your story. (laughs) Okay. Um, yeah. So in high school, I wanted to be a professor of history. I was very much enamored with, um, well, actually, uh, 
a large sort of uh, Arthurian legends. I was also interested in like the Tudor, um, the Tudor period of England, um, as well as mythologies. Um, so both Nordic, Greek, um, Roman. And so, but um, that all, but alongside burgeoning with that passion for history was this like newly upstart music um, that I had started and I'd always loved singing um, and had been taking lessons um, all through high school and absolutely loved it. And I was introduced to opera through my uh, my voice teacher who worked at the Lyric Opera of Ch in Chicago. And so he kind of fostered that and I fell in love with opera in terms of like translating and, and languages and the nuances of, of it. And then I went to my undergrad and did both a BA and a BM. So I have a bachelor's of music and a bachelor's of arts because I couldn't decide between the two. Um, and then I ultimately chose after that period to go and uh, perform opera professionally. So I went and got my master's at the University of North Texas and absolutely loved it there. I worked for I've worked for several opera companies um, throughout my period. So I have worked main stage with uh, the Dallas Opera, Toledo Opera, Cedar Rapids Opera, uh, Michigan Philharmonic, uh, all, kind of all over. Um, but uh, I really, really missed the research and writing aspects of, of, uh, and of performing. And I think there was this this need and desire to continue to learn, to write, to research. Um, and I was missing that from my operatic career. And so kind of when COVID um, hit, I started rethinking through like what I actually wanted to do. And I and I landed into I actually want to do music <laughs> research <laughs> and writing. So that's kind of what led me to pursue a Ph.D., um, so heading back into school, and I was fortunate enough to um, come here to Brandeis. Um, and I, I, again, I just absolutely really love the program. Um, and I've really felt like it was home um, when I came into musicology. It really kind of felt like all of my passions and all of my loves were finally like joining together in one, um, one beautiful um, array. So I, I am so, so happy to be in musicology. And then I'm also really happy um, to be actually the graduate project lead for Connected PhD. Um, I started this at the beginning of this year, so back in January. Um, and it's been an amazing process seeing kind of the behind the scenes administrative um, areas of the Connected PhD in terms of um, how to write grants, how do we fund grants and um, budgeting, as well as um, like conducting interviews and grant reporting. And so like, I've just learned so much and um, it's really opened my eyes into how higher ed, higher, how higher admin works. And so that's been a really, really fascinating um, part for me. And I think is another, another love that I have is kind of at administrative, the administrative side. So yeah, I guess that's a very long, sorry, <laughs> very long um, no. elaboration. It was great. <laughs> You're our first opera singer. We have uh, an, an interview with a uh, professional uh, tuba player, and he's a professor of tuba, and you're our first opera singer. So this is very exciting. Yeah. 
And I love music, and I know probably a lot of our listeners do too, and we're not anywhere near the caliber of opera or a professor of tuba, so we get to vicariously learn a lot when our guests open up and share. So I'm very excited about that. So we've been referring quite a bit to the Connected PhD, and listeners may not have had a chance to listen to episode one yet. Um, uh, Alyssa, can you tell us about the Connected PhD, and then um, will you let us know about the concrete curricular changes that the Connected PhD projects are inspired to do? Sure. Um, So the Connected PhD is a four-year grant that the Graduate School of Arts and Sciences at Brandeis received from the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation. Um, And we're entering our fourth and final year of the grant. And the goal of the grant, um, largely speaking, is both to support and fund and um, encourage students to develop um, professional development experiences, um, internships, skill development, um, to really think about, you know, from the very beginning of their PhD process, to think about the different career, diverse career pathways that could be available to them. Um, And then the second goal that goes along with that is really incentivizing our faculty and our programs to to think about their doctoral curriculum, to think about their training goals, to think about the reasons for the PhD um, in light of the vast array of career outcomes that we have um, for our PhD students. Um, I'm sure your listeners um, on this podcast um, heard that, um, you know, that there is a, there has been for many years a crisis in the academic job market. So not... Not everyone with a PhD will go on to work in academia, nor will they want to. Um, so, one of the the major goals of the of the of the connected PhD is to work with both the students and also the faculty to think about what is the purpose of the PhD training process. You know, thinking about it, you know, kind of in a backwards design lens, in the sense of what are our actual career outcomes and how do we act, how do can we think about curriculum in a way that supports students um, both in terms of the intensive um, research and um, analytical skills that they're developing in the PhD, traditionally speaking, but also in terms of how they can use those skills elsewhere. And in terms of the curricular outcomes, it's been very interesting. Um, You know, I think that, uh, and I think we sort of predicted this from the beginning of the grant, was that, you know, students were actually really quick (laughs) to take advantage of the Connected PhD. They apply for funding for these experiences, these internships, these different um, things that they have found. And the faculty were a little slower on the uptake for it because they weren't quite sure what this was. It was a different kind of model. There was a lot of internal conversations and socialization and um, faculty having conversations across different disciplines as well to kind of think about this. Um, And I will say that one of our, uh, one of sort of the early adopters of this um, was in the English department here at Brandeis, where they um, really took seriously our call to rethink doctoral curriculum. Um, And they um, applied for a grant and several faculty members went to the MLA conference where they had a whole summit about, you know, rethinking doctoral education. Um, And so they started to really change their curriculum. For instance, um, you know, as in most programs, you know, there are required, um, you know, each PhD student is a condition of their funding has to TA for a certain amount of semesters or courses as part of the PhD funding package. And one of the things that the English department did was they actually reduced the number of TAs required, but then 
added our internship requirement, which I think was really key because it shows that the program and the faculty value this applied experience and it's part of the degree requirement. Um, And so, you know, as that started to happen and as the English department presented it at our governance um, body called the Graduate Council, other faculty members started having these conversations my colleague, John Angeria, that we talked to in the first part, um, he's been instrumental in these conversations as well. Um, and so I think it started to kind of pick up momentum. You know, it's like the one department went and then another department had, you know, had a grant to look at their curriculum and another department decided to do it. And then now that we're in our four, moving into our fourth year, um, you know, six out of the seven departments that are eligible for this grant have are in some stage of, of curriculum innovation. Um, and the seventh one is actually on board. They actually just submitted as part of their planning document some, you know, some suggestions for curriculum innovation. So it's really exciting because, it, you know, it's a longer time horizon, I think, you know, in terms of, you know, curriculum change and faculty conversations. So, you know, someone like Anna, you know, someone who's in their second year may not necessarily take advantage of this. Um, although I will say her program in musicology also um, had, a, had a big um, curriculum revamp in the past year as well. Um, but but I, it really is, I think, that critical mass of faculty talking to them, they're seeing it. Um, you know, I think, you know, as an experience, you know, I think when faculty are within their own departments and disciplines, um, that they, they feel more kinship and more connection to the discipline rather than the department next door in their own university. So it was really, I think, as a mark of the of what we've tried to do here, and I think it's been a great success, is like having those, those interdepartmental, interdisciplinary conversations here on campus with the departments and helping them kind of take good ideas from one another and feel like, okay, this is a thing we're now doing together with the, with with important variations according to disciplinary norms and needs but you know I can confidently say that I think the connected PhD has really been the key driver of this doctoral curriculum innovation that is of course connected to the larger conversation about rethinking doctoral education humanities and humanistic social sciences you you also mentioned uh, in in our in our emails that there's been a, a mindset and an emotional benefit to PhD students who work on the connected PhD projects. Um, I wonder if you could both speak to that because Anna's got the inside view of how her fellow students are doing and how she is. Um, and and I'm not asking you to violate anyone's privacy or confidentiality. Just what you feel comfortable sharing about that. Sure, I'll start, and then I would love to hear Anna's perspective because I think that you know. She came in with the connected PhD already, kind of in the air here. Um, so I, I, I wonder how her experience may be different, and in part because she also, uh, you know, she's she's kind of switching careers from a very, you know, applied performance perspective, and then moving more into the research trajectory. Um, so I think you know it's very typical for PhD students to um, want to do the PhD because of their love of research and their love of the academic life, you know, being, you know, learning and, and talking and writing and, and being part of this, this, these intellectual pursuits. And uh, it's very common for them to kind of, you know, 
go, go way, way, way deep in their specialization. And then suddenly they're, they're realize, oh, uh, I only have one year of funding left or, oh, my fundings, what, what am I doing now? And planning for the academic job market. And suddenly in that fourth and fifth year saying, oh no, what's next? And suddenly being confronted with the reality of the academic job market. And, um, you know, it can, it's brutal. And I think there's often, I think graduate school and PhD programs, you know, it's part of the culture. I think there's a little bit of sort of infantilization happening um, between faculty and, and graduate students because of the nature of it. You know, it is, you know, the, you're being trained, you know, your faculty members are reproducing the discipline. They're reproducing themselves in a sense. And so there is kind of a strange dynamic where I think PhD students can tend to feel like they don't have agency that they feel like and they can get very fatalistic particularly about the academic job market about like it's it's all luck I don't have a chance or if I don't do this if I don't succeed I'm a failure and so I think one of the best ways to kind of combat that 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 psychological sense of like I put so many years of my life into this and I don't and I think I'm going to be a failure if I don't get an academic job is to actually flip it and to sort of go into the PhD with a sense of like, uh, there are a wide variety of things I can do with the PhD. The academic career path may be one, is definitely one of those, but I actually can make active choices so that when I am looking in that fourth, fifth, and sixth year, there are at least three to four pathways I can consider you know, going for. And so I think that it's like that the ability to sort of develop, you know, actually concrete skills in, in ways that are connected to the PhD, but not, but also a little bit external to it. Um, like Anna said, like the administrative aspect of, of things in higher ed um, can be really helpful because, you know, even in a faculty position, um, you know, you talk to any faculty member and, and, and I, I bet that um, their percentage time of, if they're not going to tell you they do 90% of their work life on research and writing. <laughs> I suspect the, the percentage will be in a very different direction, particularly when you add in all sorts of service and teaching and um, different administrative responsibilities um, that come along with being a faculty member. But I think that psychologically, um, it's really important for, for PhD students to be able to have options to being to, to make choices about their training, um, to be very clear-eyed about the costs and benefits of different things, and to be able to assemble sort of a, a portfolio of accomplishments, both within the discipline, but also, um, you know, parallel to it, that, you know, that the PhD is valuable in and of itself for a variety of different sectors. But I think one of the key things is, is that you, we see this a lot with PhD students, with our colleagues who work in career development, is that, you know, that often you have to have just the concrete experience in order to land that job. So one of the things that employers will be looking for is sort of, well, like, what is, what is your actual job or skill or what project did you complete um, in an administrative capacity or in an internship or in some sort of like, you know, ex- ex- particular experience that can show me your skills? And this is where I think the connected PhD really, you know, it, it, it gives these, sh- these opportunities for these short, 
concrete kind of projects for skill development that you can put on it, you can hold to put on a resume and then kind of bring back out when you're looking in different um, ways for jobs. Um, and I think that having that and having that experience when you get, you know, when you're about to complete, well, it makes a big difference in the psychological feeling about what's next. Um, because again, I think it's very common for people at the end of the PhD to kind of have, if they haven't been thinking about anything other than the academic job market, and then they're suddenly confronted with the dismal reality, it can, there's, there's feelings of loss and of grief and of anger and disempowerment. And that I think that, that, you know, developing these things along the process of training for your PhD will really buffer you against some of those really difficult emotional um, reactions. Anna, what would you like to say? Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm still recovering from um, uh, illness from last week. But um, I wholeheartedly agree with uh, what <laughs> Dr. Kennelly um, just said, everything in terms of that. Um, in terms for me, I, I've really been hearing, at, at least from a lot of my colleagues and my peers, I conducted a series of interviews um, over the past summer, as well as um, sort of ongoing um, regarding all the, the student experiences, both of our alumni who've been through the program and are now uh, beyond the connected PhD. They've gotten their PhD and they are um, in new um, a new career path. And then I also have some that are um, uh, first years or second years that did their very first um, experience with the connected PhD program, either through the higher education um, internships or the summer experiences. And the overwhelming response that I received back is just how valuable the connected PhD experience was in terms of opening eyes, um, exactly kind of what Dr. Kennelly was alluding to. We, uh, The PhD programs itself are often so isolated as a student. You do a lot of research by yourself, a lot of long hours spent by yourself. And so what the Connected PhD does is it allows for that kind of collaboration and networking and um, like um, also just delivering a concrete deliverable that we can at the end of a project to say, hey, um, in my portfolio, I can add this, which can open up this whole realm of possibilities outside of our um, particular fields and areas of study. And so, like, for example, um, I'm currently in an, um, a higher education administrative internship with the African and African American Studies Department at Brandeis. And we are in the process of finalizing, actually, um, our AAAS um, newsletter. And so I have completely, I crafted it, designed it, learned the skills to, um, for InDesign, which is a program that I hadn't, um, I hadn't worked in before. And so, but now I will have at the end of this project, like a 25 page newsletter that I designed, created, and, um, and actually conducted interviews for. And so the process of I'm gaining knowledge and ethnographic work as well. And so it's just all of these skill sets that can be applied both to my degree itself, but also outside in terms of, of other realms. Um, and it just really kind of opens up this awareness of possibilities and definitely the psychological, um, importance of it of having that kind of agency and awareness of um what we can do we have a lot of students um that i interviewed that hadn't ever thought about entering a career path in let's say um like press and and now they're very much considering it and and actively utilizing the connected phd to gain skills to help that um 
trajectory happen. And so we, it's really, really been very much of an eye opener. Um, and I actually pulled a quote from one of our students. Um, so who, um, and this is their quote. So not only do I find this valuable, but one of the most valuable things about this is the opportunity and transferring our skills and seeing how transferable they were. I'm constantly hearing about the alt push and that our skills are transferable. And now I got the experience, I got to experience that firsthand. It was an amazing boost to my confidence that I could apply these skills to a lot of things. You really feel they are applicable and not just in theory, end quote. Um, and I just thought that would really, really sums up kind of just the idea that we're building this confidence level, but we're also seeing it actively happen, um, which is something like a lot of our, I think, PhD work um, in terms of like the dissertation, it's such a theoretical thing until it's done. <laughs> and so, and that's such a long swath of time um, in order to have this like very, very much like theoretical bubble happening. Uh, whereas this is, these are such short, internships that we really do get to see from the start to the end how quickly we can amass um, a, a new skill set and, and a variety of different not only skill sets but like networking and collaboration and there's so many different values that we learn in this very very short span of time um, which is so um, it's just in terms of the parallel between what our PhD experience is like um, it's really really wonderful so I guess that's, um, yeah. And I wanted to pick up on what Anna just said in terms of the, the time frame here, because I think that PhD students get locked into the long time horizon that it takes for a PhD, and they don't realize actually how quickly um, you can actually learn a new skill or get an experience. It's not like committing to another PhD program to learn a different skill set or to have one of the experiences. They really can be very short and chunked and very specific. And so actually, I think that's one of one of the benefits too, is sort of um, getting PhD students to understand that the PhD process itself is an exceptionally long time, time horizon for training, <laughs> but that most other sectors and most other, um, you know, skill development things are actually much, much shorter. And I think, because I think it can feel daunting, I think for those of us who have done the PhD to go, oh no, I have to learn something else after I just did this PhD. And it's like, well, actually, no, the, the something else literally can be three to six weeks. Um, it doesn't have to be this time suck. And I think it's what's really helpful here, too, is that it kind of counters our our, um, our psychological um, impulse to go deep and deep and deep and deep and deep. And we all know as if, you know, well, you know, part of the joke about when you graduate with a PhD is that you realize how much you don't know yet, how much you haven't learned yet, how much you haven't researched yet. And I think having these experiences and, and the sort of the other professional development lens can actually counter that to say, actually, you can within three to six weeks, you can get enough knowledge and do enough to be considered, you know, a moderate expert in this and, to, and that to your experience will build on itself. And that it doesn't have to be this this never ending deep dive, that there are actually ways in which we can function professionally, that you just get enough of a skill that get enough experience to open the next door and the next door and the next opportunities where you then deepen it. And then the next opportunities when you deepen it further or, or make a switch or pivot. Um, so I think that's incredibly psychologically helpful for PhD students as they're thinking about the next steps after the PhD. 
One thing I'm curious about is how scalable this is uh, for other universities. What you're doing there is addressing so many needs. Is there a, a plan or a, a possibility that other universities could study what you've done and scale it for their programs? Um, of course. I mean, I think that, you know, what we're doing is just part of the national conversation. So I know other universities are doing other, d- different kinds of models or variations of these things. I will say that one of the, you know, one of the key sort of um, factors will be funding and resources. And that is something that we um, and my dean, uh, Wendy Cadge, who's the dean of the graduate school, she and I are partnering um, in terms of, you know, what what's next? What are the, like, how do we maintain these resources once the Mellon grant is over. Um, and it really becomes an issue of, of, of institutional priorities um, and institutional commitments, but also, you know, kind of looking, you know, what are those also external partnerships we can, you know, craft and bring to the table. Um, but I, because I think one of the key things to remember is that, and this is why we have curricular innovation paired in our goals, is that, you know, that that there's a limited amount of time. And so PhD students have to sort of negotiate the push and pull between their research, their coursework, their their TAing, their um, advisors, uh, you know, their, their advisors, uh, you know, advice to go keep going deeper and deeper and further and further. And so in order to get these experiences, these are not necessarily free. I mean, you, you know, these the what we we do this um, um, whole cycle of summer internship funding that in order for students to take these internships often, you know, with nonprofits or entities that don't have, you know, um, established internship programs, they're unpaid. And so the PhD student has to somehow be paid for taking that time. So it does require, you know, institutional resource commitment for sure. And it also requires, again, like the curriculum kind of shift in the sense that the faculty members have to, and the programs have to think about sort of how do we make space for the experiences? Because if it becomes part of a degree requirement in the way that the English department has made it part of the degree requirement, then the students have a different, you know, their funding package, they can frame it as like, yes, I'm being funded in order to have this this internship. This is the requirement and the expectations part of the degree. So it creates some more space within their time and their trajectory of their program to have this. So yeah, I mean, I think it is absolutely scalable. I think multiple conversations are happening in, in like the AHA, um, the MLA and the other professional um, associations as well, and I definitely think it's something. Um, you know, if you if your re- if your listeners haven't already or aren't already familiar with Leonard Casuto, um, he wrote an excellent book called The New PhD, and he's a, constantly a, a columnist at the Chronicle and Inside Higher Ed, and his work is precisely about this, about sort of how to rethink um, the the purpose of the PhD and how to how to rethink sort of you know how we train, and I think. I think one of the key things that he, he talks about that I firmly believe in is that one one sort of solution to the, you know, the the crash of the academic job market and sort of, you know, our, what are we doing for PhD trainings to say, okay, um, we're only going to train the number of PhDs for which there are actually academic jobs. And that, in effect, would have, you know, the, it would be the consequence of, of really shuttering a vast majority of the PhD programs in the country. But then there's another perspective and one, one which I really hold, although I do understand sort of some of the tensions and the ethics around it, is that I actually think that 
that producing PhD is a that that getting a PhD is a public good. That you know, if you look both at Brandeis alumni and also across the nation in terms of where PhD holders are working, like they're making enormous contributions outside of academia. In fact, one could even argue, and in fact, I think it's I would definitely argue this, is that the impact for people with PhDs, um, the global impact and sort of the real world impact, you know, is actually outside of academia. And so that's sort of one of the one of the things that Len Kasuda brings up is sort of, you know, how do we think about the purpose of a PhD and, you know, why we're doing it and why, you know, you know, that yes, of course, everyone in a PhD has to have that love of research <laughs> that Anna talked about. Like that has to be primary because it's a long commitment and it's a long research commitment. But at the same time, how do we actually think about, you know, that yes, you know, you get this specialty and this you know, this terminal degree in this particular research area, but how is that really good for the long, for, you know, the world at large and how can your skills be expanded and, and whatever you choose to do and what, how can you make, make the world a better place? Brandeis in particular has a social justice mission, um, you know, within our school motto and with the, within the history of our institution. So for us, it's particularly relevant because we are thinking and prioritizing how our graduates are making the world a better place. Um, and how they are going out and doing amazing, wonderful things outside of academia. Um, and I think it's a conversation that will continue to grow nationally. I think it is scalable. But again, I think it does come down to this is sort of where the faculty and the, the faculty governance and program governance comes into play. Um you know, making sure our faculty are part of that conversation and p- understanding the experiences of their students um, and making those connections and making those commitments to kind of, you know, constantly, you know, evolve and innovate the doctoral um, training curriculum to the reality of, of what our graduates are actually doing. It sounds like an essential part of this is relationships with the larger community that it's reframing graduate work as something that took place entirely inside the ivory tower and saying, no, it, it, it is a conversation with the larger community and with community organizations. And a large part of what the Connected PhD is doing is internships and externships. I'm curious to hear from Anna, how did you find yours? And are the students encouraged to seek out their own? Is there a department that you go to and say, I'm ready to start planning my internship and my externship? How does this piece come together? Because I think for listeners who want to do internships and externships, sometimes there's a frustration in figuring out how you secure one. Yes, of course. Um, so Brandeis has kind of, we for the Connected PhD program, we have twofold for the students. So we have the student experience grant, um, which is usually the students themselves will come up with those projects. Um, So that can either be when they are working with external organizations. Um, We have had some that have worked for the YASDA organization, which is a global Yazdi non-governmental advocacy and relief organization. We've also had some that have worked in Boston as well with like Boston CASA, C-A-S-A, which is a nonprofit organization for partnering volunteers with foster um, involved youth. And so like we do have a lot of students that seek that seek these out particularly. And we also have a, a large amount of student um, for that student experience grant that go f- directly for learning and gaining new skills. Um, so they'll take online courses or 
other courses at a, um, at a different university, even sometimes um, regarding diff just different skill sets like UX um, writing or web design, marketing skills, um, book publishing as well. Um, so just training programs designed for that. And so we, we do have a lot. Um, and that's, I think it's a lot of the students themselves utilizing the resources from GSAS, um, but also from kind of asking around, asking the connected PhD. I know that we've helped um, in terms of that, um, trying to narrow down specifics for internship possibilities, what would be um, considered, what we could potentially fund. Um, and then we also have, so in addition to that one, which is mostly more um, student driven and um, in terms of finding those opportunities. And then we also have another um, program, which is our higher education administrative internships. And those are primarily, and this is kind of more along the lines when COVID hit, um, it was how to give opportunities through COVID. Um, so the origins of that particular one um, kind of stem from there. But they are departments within Brandeis um, that will become host units. And so we have um, like except like the one that I'm currently in with the African and African American Studies Department is one of those. Um, we've also uh, the Office of Sustainability, the Brandeis Press, um, the Office of the Provost has done um, a couple. And so we have these host units that um, they they assert their need or their their uh, they propose a, um, a potential uh, internship that that could be really, really usable, usable um, has a concrete deliverable. And so they have like a set of parameters that they have to follow in order um, for their proposals to be granted. Um, and so, but then those are really, really um, quite wonderful because then the students, um, they just need to read about these particular um, internship host units. And then they decide, oh, does this one look like a program that would you know, that I would be really good with, that I could learn this, these particular skill sets that I've always wanted to learn. And so that is actually, um, and I've had a lot of, um, of, from the interviews of students that have done these higher ed, they really appreciate kind of having like one packaged already for them. Um, and so that was kind of another um, really, really nice kind of wonderful way of doing an experience grant where the student themselves um, just like reads, essentially reads about it or hears about it from another faculty member or from within Brandeis um, or our various email blasts that we uh, bombard their uh, emails with. Um, but yeah, and so and then they they really love those those internships as well. Um, so yeah, we have kind of a twofold going on in terms of um, what where you can hear about information, but also we have the, the self-design, but also the kind of more packaged group of uh, internships for students as well. So, yeah. Dr. Kennelly, do you want to speak to that from an admin point of view, um, how you cultivate relationships and how you... Um, uh, I'm also thinking of ones that I had that my university said, well, you did that outside of us. So we don't, we don't really have any way to formalize it for you. How do you close that loophole? That is a personal experience that I had, but I know many, many grad students had that experience. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. And I, and I will say that, you know, the examples that Anna provided, um, 
in specific were actually related to those individual students' interests. And it's not something that we, and it's true, we don't have formal relationships with those, with those organizations. However, we are on our, on our website, keeping a list of all of these different things so that when a student is like looking for opportunities, they can say, oh, well, you know, so-and-so two years ago had an internship with this and they, you know, they could reach out to that student or to that organization. So we are compiling, you know, sort of a, a reference list, so to speak. And I will say that one of the, one of the things that, um, you know, that my colleague John Anjari and I work on very closely is sort of coordination between what's happening with the connected PhD and what's happening with the career and career um, and professional development unit here in the graduate school. And so they are always, you know, we have an in, we have the, you know, they, they work with a, with a software called um, Handshake, which is sort of a big platform for employers and internships and things like that. So that, you know, that when we are, you know, when students through the connected PhD have internships, it's also kind of pushed through in terms of, you know, I push it back to the career and professional development um, unit so that they can make sure that those are part, become part of their list, part of the handshake ecosystem, that those are things that, you know, that for future students who are searching for things that this they can help this. Um, I will say that, you know, there, and I would agree with this, that I don't think it's our role necessarily to establish an, a single internship pipeline with a single organization. Um, just simply number one, it's just, you know, it's just not... Because of the the individualized nature of PhD students and disciplines, that you, they're looking for the right fit, and I have been really honestly amazed at the students' like ability to to do that self reflection and then do that networking themselves. And I think that's our role is to support those skills about, you know, how do you do a search? How do you initiate a conversation with an organization you would like to intern with? And that's our role rather than necessarily formalizing, you know, internship placements. Um, And with the exception, like Anna said, you know, within within our own internal um, organization um, that we came up with these higher ed internships precisely because of COVID. Because what happened was that we had funded a bunch of students to do internships in the summer of 2020 and all of those were canceled because those you know imagine you know going back to spring in 2020 and everything how the world was at that moment um and so we knew that these students um were depending on these internships and the funding uh, for those internships for their you know the summer plans and to move forward in their in their career and professional development plans um so which is why we then sort of started this you know internship placement within our own institution, which has been enormously successful. And I think particularly, um, you know, there are students that we have um, that are now alumni that specifically got job offers based on the work that they did here internally for these separate units at Brandeis. Um, People have done things in, you know, in the assessment office, they've done things in marketing communications, which lead to an actual job. Same thing at the Brandeis University Press, um, student accessibility support. Um, you know, the, the, um, there's just, there's just so much, I think, value to having those administrative experience internally. Um, that is speaking to the other question about scalability. That is something that we are, um, we intend to continue past the grant itself is the, these, these ongoing relationships within our own organization, um, to say, Hey, provost office, see what an amazing job this intern did for you on these projects. Why don't you try to incorporate that, um, into your own budget next year? 
and we'll help you recruit the, the intern next year. Um, so it really becomes an issue sort of having those partnerships on campus and really, you know, helping them think through, oh, you know, the, that if I set aside, you know, $5,000 to hire a PhD intern, the value of what they give us is, is phenomenal. Um, I have to say that the, and Anna can speak to this too, that we also interviewed um, the host units and they raved about these, these PhD <laughs> students, right, Anna? <laughs> yes, <laughs> very much so. Um, so I think, you know, I, I think that that's sort of how we're for, I think in terms of formalizing it going forward, that we'll do some internal formalization, but I still think that the best way in terms of external formalization, it's really about equipping students to, to make those connections to like, how do you, how do you search for this? How do you initiate the conversation? How do you have, how do you start the relationship? And then we kind of, you know, then we'll collect it as sort of, you know, part of our general search, um, and sort of outreach, but again, it's, it's not necessarily formalizing it, but it's sort of equipping students to, to initiate those relationships on their own. I'm so glad you both could be here today and share more about how the PhD programs at higher ed can become connected PhDs. I know we're running short on time, so my uh, final question for each of you is, what do you hope this episode sparks? Dr. Canelli, can we start with you? Um, I actually, um, your last question, I think, um, is sort of what I would love to see sparking going forward is, um, you know, I'm open to conversations with colleagues across different institutions. I would love um, current and former students at both at Brandeis, but also other places to reach out to us. We're happy to have these conversations, share what we've learned, um, you know, and connect. I mean, I think that's what I would really like to have happen. And then second, I think um, any, you know, current PhD students who are listening, I would love just to give the message of, you know, there's a lot, you're so, you're learning so many incredibly valuable things and you have so many incredible skills and that, you know, there's really, there's, there's, the world is open to you. And I think it's just a couple of kind of key things that you need to do to position yourself about these experiences and to get some of this stuff under your belt. But um, I think it's a really exciting, it's exciting time, I think, in terms of thinking about, you know, the role of the PhD and sort of what comes next. And so I hope, you know, to spark that we're, we're part of that ongoing conversation as things evolve. And Anna? Yeah, um, I mean, definitely same with uh, what Dr. Canelli just um, said as well. I think it's so super important to think about, I mean, with this kind of dearth that we have, um, in marketability of, of the the academy, um, thinking about other ways in which we can still remain active members of the community, but also just in terms of what what PhDs can give um, beyond just being the tenured professor track that we're told um, <laughs> to to embark upon. Um, but there are so many different skill sets that we can learn that we can. Um, utilize and then also to just give back and the connected PhD program itself really really facilitates this in a a very supportive environment and it's just been so fundamental um, in terms of opening eyes in particular a a lot of people um, were able to like Dr. Canelli said um, from doing the connected PhD that experience directly affected their ability to um, get an, an, a job outside of academia, but imme- like immediate placement within higher ed or 
um, with press and in various different positions. And so that the kind of um, optimism in terms of the future <laughs> that we can um, sort of link towards and saying, you know, like this isn't the sole path that I have to take. There are so many other things that I could possibly do um, that would be really, really beneficial, helpful. Um, and so I think that really is important, just the psychological aspect of that um, in terms of the, the connected PhD. Yeah. So sorry, I know we're I'm cutting into time. <laughs> That's those are great answers. I I appreciated this conversation with both of you so much. Thank you for being on the show today and telling us about the Connected PhD. I'm Dr. Christina Gessler, and you've been listening to the Academic Life on New Books Network. I hope you will please join us again. <laughs>